Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts as I fix my self in my chair. Jesus, get yourself together. Alex Croson, along here here with host number dose, Casey Clapp. Hi, everyone. It's me, Casey. Hello, Casey. Well, good day, Alex. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Got all sorts of things happening all the time. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't catch me uh, doing one thing, yeah, I'm doing something else. Right. You know, it's the way it is. It's been a heavy, heavy last couple weeks for me, that's for sure. Just a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah. So a lot of life things kind of coming down, and a lot of life things coming down, raining on our psyches. <laughs> yeah, that is that's the case. Yeah. So it's been heavy uh, heavy week on the personal side, mm-hmm. and heavy week in terms of how much ice has been laden yes. all over everything. Right. Uh, here in Pacific, actually not even the Pacific Northwest, just specifically Portland and the the Willamette Valley, the gorge here, mm-hmm. just decimated with ice over the last couple of weeks. It's true. Yes, and so when one of the things that happened actually during this time is I turned in some of the uh, the draft uh, the draft I guess a section of draft for the book. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Materials. A cup of draft. Yeah, just one cup of draft, please. Uh, yeah, they uh, that was uh, a week ago actually. Yeah, now. yep, turned that's that right. In. So that's very exciting. I got. Uh, I think I over. Uh, over-delivered, which is what oh. I was hoping to do. Oh, good, good. Yeah, so uh, instead of the classic over-promise, under-deliver, I tried to to promise a normal amount, but rather <laughs> agree to a normal amount that uh-huh. they asked for, and then over, over-deliver. That's a good look. Yeah. It can be a good look. Yes, hopefully they're not like, ooh, you're moving a, a little bit too fast. We'll actually want you to redo all of this. Sure. So I hope they don't do that. I, I think they probably will not, Casey. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope it's going to be like, yeah, this is great. Just hear some edits, and we'll move forward. But for the most part, it's great. Yeah, you're moving at a you're moving at a good clip there. I am. And in fact, uh, last uh, yesterday, not last night, well, actually, both. I spent so much time going over all the birch trees that we have wow. in this area, or could have in Ooh. this area, or don't have in this area. But for some reason, someone thinks we might. I just, I, I did not expect to spend so much goddamn time on birch trees. Well, if if we can take anything away from that, it's that birch a birch episode is upcoming for sure. <laughs> You're right. While it's fresh on Casey's mind. Oh, that's so accurate. You're so spot on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Casey, um, yes, a lot happening in our lives, but the one constant that we can always rely on is that we are here to talk about a tree today. Exactly. Once a week. You can depend on that. And, of course, that tree is the... And, of course, we can't talk about the... Until we take a break. 
Well done. So Casey, we will be right back with our discussion on the right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we are talking about the scientific name. The scientific name is Falcatifolium taxoides. Wow. Now, you'll all have noticed that you thought you lost connectivity for a second. This was not an audio glitch. Multiple times. Mm -hmm. You have not done anything wrong. Stay seated. Everything's okay. <laughs> so, But buckle up, we'll say. Please do, because this, uh, in fact, Alex, you're going to need to buckle up too. Wow. I'm giving you little to go off of um, for, this, uh, for this episode. Yes. I'll tell you why. Initially, uh, we had planned to do a three-part series on New Zealand trees. That's right. That was my initial thing. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to have a good time. Then uh, I got just got on to reading this book mm. that has nothing to do with New Zealand trees. Wow. Uh, it's called The Vital Question. I believe it's by Nick Lane. Nick Lane. You finished another book. I finished this other book. I didn't like the dinosaur book, so I forced myself to finish it yes. because I'm just, uh, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. Started this other book and I was like, okay, this is a heady book. It's going to be a lot. In fact, it is, it's about life in the grandest sense. Oh, wow. And it was, uh, let me see, a whole other book that I read called The Tangled Tree by David Quammen has, it was an entire book that in the newest one I'm reading was completely summarized down to like the first 10 pages. Wow. <laughs> like a 300 some page book. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I'm I'm leveling up in terms of that. Cool. Which is great. However, that means that I was like, okay, this is going to be this is going to be a big book. So I'm sitting there, I'm reading it and it brings up something that kind of makes me go, "Huh. I've never quite thought about it that wow. way." Wow. And then it made me think about it more and more mm -hmm. and then i ended up going on a pretty significant tangent that has led us to where we are today wow here we are yes sorry everyone uh you all everyone in new zealand who's really stoked about that you're just gonna have to wait wow a hanging chad you get a hanging chad another fish a chad a chad is a kind of fish hey can you do me a favor yeah can we focus yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Real funny, real funny guy. My therapist told me I should start asking for what I want. So I decided uh, to go down this uh, this this thing. I'll explain how it led me uh, while we go there. Okay. The tree we're talking about today is not nameable. Sure. In English. Now this or, is, from what I can tell, other languages. That was the big thing, because I looked at the notes for this week, because yeah. I'm a good little boy, uh -huh, uh -huh. and I saw that this t this episode, usually we name the episode, or usually we, in the notes, you put the name of the species that we're talking about. Yeah. And it doesn't have one. Exactly. And I was like, what? Yeah, usually somebody has given it a non-scientific like name. And then I thought, well, that probably just means there's like you know, a native name for yes, this tree. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I asked you about that, and you said, uh, not that I can tell. And so I really don't know what to do here, Casey. Yeah, we're talking about a tree from New Caledonia. New Caledonia. Which is, I'm sorry, probably uh, New Zealanders are like, oh, come on. It's like saying someone's moving to Seattle instead of Portland, you know? Sure. They're kind of similar, <laughs> but like just different enough. But they're they're yeah. both these like uh, very isolated island chains in the Pacific. Instead of being in the southeast 
of Australia. Mm-hmm. New Caledonia is northeast okay. of Australia. And there are indigenous people that had initially inhabited these islands. I think they still do. It's called the Canucks. K-A-N-A-K. Canuck. As far as I know, Mm -hmm. they probably have a a name for this tree. I have not necessarily been able to figure out what it is. Wow. It's not listed in the places where I normally would expect there to be uh, the name. So literally the Gymnosperm Database, one of my favorite websites, has all the common names in like all the languages for Mm -hmm. all the other trees. But in this case, it says common names blank and then moves oh, on. Oh, wow. So I looked up Wikipedia. Wikipedia, it's nothing. It just says a scientific name. Which draws from a bunch of different sources. Exactly. You would think maybe you would find a source. Yes. Now, unfortunately, uh, I have not been able to find this actual name. I'm sure I Amazing. can dig it up somewhere. Um, but this is actually kind of common in a lot of different places. There's just no common name for certain insects, for certain species of plants where there's just, it's just a, a normal thing. It just exists. We've given it a scientific name. We've classified it, yeah. but that's, that's it. Like no one has given too, too much thought otherwise. Okay. Well, if I've learned one thing from this podcast, it is that we have a broad fan base with a broad knowledge base yes so if you were listening to this and screaming at us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's called this please write <laughs> to us hello at arbitrarypod.com yes. now so i think uh i personally just want to give it our own common name that's a lot of fun uh so the scientific name is falcatifolium taxoides which means it has sickle-like leaves wow that look like taxis that looks like you. you okay so that i think is kind of fun when i when you first look at it i just see the word falcon right that's a that's hardcore it's just what it looks like it looks like it's the falcon leafed taxis <laughs> so i really want to call it like the falcon you the falcon of death <laughs> yeah but it's not a you so i don't want to like fall into the trap of being like oh i'm just gonna sure. call it a, a falcon pine because it kind of looks like that well I, I have a pitch casey okay what do you got uh how about during our review section of this episode uh-huh. we that we give our golden cone score and then we give our pitch for a common name. Well, see, Alex, what are we going to call it in the meantime then? Are we just going to call it this tree? Folium taxoides? I think we should just call it this tree, this week's tree. Wow. Okay. All right. It this hasn't, is, it's it, just generic. It's just the most generic <laughs> tree you've ever heard of. Well, Casey, let's imagine as we do every week that you and I are traipsing through New Caledonia. Wow, what yeah. wonders to behold. Ugh, beautiful. And we come across some of this week's tree. <laughs> Casey, <laughs> let's ID this week's tree. Ah, I think that sounds great. So here is the situation. It is a small tree, not too large, not too uh, not too crazy. It grows to about 15 meters, uh, which is probably about 40, 45 feet, somewhere in there. And that will be a forest tree. It grows on uh, these kind of higher mountainous areas, and it grows uh, in dense rainforests. Mm. So it's a really beautiful uh, kind of area. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, we'll talk a little bit about New Caledonia. It's a wild place. Wow. It is the kind of place that has uh, the botanical equivalent of of a, a a, a different world, you know? Wow. Like, it's it's untouched in a way of... 
It's just, it's ancient. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Meanwhile, so the, the only important thing to note about New Caledonia is that it has ultramafic soils. What is that? It essentially is a soil that has very low silicon, high iron, and high magnesium. Okay. So it's actually rock that is more similar to the mantle below the Earth's crust. Whoa. This so, kind of reminds me of like volcanic soils. Is uh, it similar? Yeah, it is, but volcanic soils actually have a lot of uh, silicon in it and okay. other things like all the soil that is on the cascades that's all volcanic it all comes from basalt well I take it all back no 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 you're right because this is also volcanic origin but it very well could be volcanic and take plate tectonics that brought up rock from like such a deep ancient mm. place uh, another similar thing would be the serpentine soils in California sure and the Siskiyous and the Calamus and there's some other places that have these weird um, spots as well that are like just really weird, unique soil types. So this could be growing in like ancient, ancient soil. Yes, potentially, yeah. Okay. And it's also just like very nutrient poor, like oh. like crazy nutrient poor to okay. the point where anywhere else in the world, no plants would grow on it. But for some reason. Here they do. Wow. So this is one of those trees that grows very predominantly on these ultramafic soils. And there are some 43, I think, species of conifers, all of which are endemic to New Caledonia, and many of which grow only on this soil type. Oh, my God. It's it's like, it's hard to imagine, um, but it, it has this extraordinary soil type, and it has been isolated for something like 30 million years. Mm. So all of the plants have gotten there from a bird or something like they've all gotten there in some weird way okay then they start to grow then they start to speciate from that so either either they were brought there from somewhere else or they speciated on that island themselves mm. and they've had enough time to differentiate from everything else in the world so everything is endemic there's like three thousand species of endemic plants there. Oh my God. They grow nowhere else. Wow. So it's a crazy spot, botanically speaking. Now, our tree grows in this lovely section of the world, and it is in the Podocarpaceae. So it's, again, oh, another Podocarp, which okay. is why I thought, yeah, this is going to be okay. Everyone's not going to be so mad at We're me We're still this. on track for the theme. Yes. We're doing great. You. So it's a small tree, and it has... Uh, um, it grows again in these dense forests, so it's hard to see like what the whole canopy can look like. Mm. But it's not a big tree. Think of a U in a in a sense around here, where mm -hmm. if you leave them open, they can kind of get big and bushy. But they grow in forests, and so they kind of grow a little spindly, and they kind of like look funny here and there. They're a little bit shade tolerant. These, so you can find them in these dense forests down below, and they'll grow up through that forested area. Cool. And they have. More or less smoothish bark. Sometimes it can exfoliate. It's a little reddish. Again, very you-like. So the the whole um, specific epithet being taxoides really actually like is is very fitting. I think for this tree. And if I'm recalling, when you add oides to a scientific name, it it means 
Link this other thing. Yes, exactly. Like cupressoides or whatever. Yeah, it means the leaves. It has uh, it has leaves that are like that. Usually, that's what oides means. Oh, okay. Specifically, the leaves, not just in general. Yes, I think so. Okay. Now I say that with this kind of tentativeness because mm-hmm. if you say phyla, that's explicitly the leaves. Yeah. So I think this is more than just the leaves, but kind of like the whole twig, the whole kind of thing. The foliage. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think it is. It's more of like, yeah, this looks like a you. What part of you? Yeah, that part. You know, <laughs> youish. Uh, so they, it's a, it's a really gorgeous little, uh, little plant with these, this again, this reddish bark and these dark green leaves that you can find in the, uh, the, the interforest area, and it has two different kinds of leaves. One is the juvenile, which grows on very small little plants, and mm. they, I had to, I had to figure this out because. Every now and then I read a bunch of stuff and I'm like, what exactly does that mean? So the juvenile leaves, as I've read, are flattened bifacially. Bifacial? Yes. They are two-faced leaves. Okay. One side is a devil. The other side is an angel. Wow. I'm just kidding. They're both angels. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Uh, We couldn't say that about this week's tree. (laughs) No, we couldn't do that. What are we? We're not monsters. So it grows, uh, I think what that means is that essentially its leaves split themselves more vertically, which is bifacially, so they have two faces, one left and one right. Oh, instead of like horizontal where they have a top and a bottom. Exactly. These have a side and another side. I believe that's the case. Wow. And that, wild. the reason I, I know this is because the adult leaves are flattened bilaterally. And so that makes the, and when I've seen pictures, they look flat, like a kind of paddle shaped leaves, Mm -hmm. not quite as thick as other podocarps, but more, well, like a U. So these, these like, as they grow older, they, they flatten. Exactly. Bilaterally. Bilaterally. Now it's not as the leaves grow older, it's as the plant grows older. Oh, sure. So kind of like a, uh, a juniper where it's, when it's really young or, uh, new shoots are growing vigorously and it's worried about having some, um, some other thing eat it. It grows the all like sharp needles. Yeah. Then it'll grow the other scale like leaves. This, I think, is that exact thing. So as it gets a little bit older, its leaves flatten themselves out and they start collecting more light uh, rather than being more tight and maybe uh, able to protect themselves a little bit more. Interesting. We've also talked about plants that, like trees, that um, start out red. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of a similar thing? Um, It is. Like, it's just kind of a thing to help the plant um, avoid certain things. Yeah. Like, it's... for the redness, a lot of times that happens right when it's brand new coming out and it actually protects the plant, the leaves, before they really get all their waxy coatings and everything in place. It protects them from like harsh light and UV and things like that. In those, in those tender first years. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think you're right. It's just a different means of that kind of control over keeping themselves safe. Interesting. So the other thing about these leaves, Alex, is that they are, as the genus would tell you, falcatifolium. Yeah. Falcate means sickle-shaped. Sickle-shaped. Yeah. And for anybody listening who doesn't know what a sickle is, because I feel like it's kind of an old school thing, Yeah, right? it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a crescent, like a half moon. It is. It is the the blade that's on top of death's... Yes. Staff? Staff. Sickle? Oh my God, what is that? Oh, scythe. Scythe, yes, yes. So a scythe is uh, basically just a pole with a handle that has a sickle blade on top Mm -hmm. of it. So basically what that means uh, in practice is that the leaves are kind of like 
curved a little bit. They don't exactly have perfect symmetry on the left and the right yeah. of their, their mid vein. You also see this in the uh, the pecan leaflets, where they kind of curve on the bottom, but the top is more or less equal on the top. So it looks like the leaf ends up getting this kind of like like crescent moon kind of shape. I will say it's pretty subtle, Casey. It, it is. Right? It's not quite as like uh, obvious or deliberate looking as I thought it might oh, be. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I, th- I think it's a pretty. It's a. It's a gentle curve. It is. I think that's very fair. I think that's a good way to describe it. Now, evolutionarily, does the sickle shape have anything to do with anything? You know, I don't think so. I think it's okay. just how it grows. Just how it grows, yeah, man. so to speak. Because most of the time, what that means is that you have a different rate of growth, just like with the cone. Sure. Where for whatever reason, one side grows a little bit wider than the other side. Mm-hmm. So it could be that that is how the leaves developed. Like the bottom side stopped growing as quickly so that the leaf would kind of bend out a little bit. Get a little extra sun or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it could just be, uh, my guess, is that it ended up developing that way because it was getting a little bit more light in where it's shaded conditions. Gotcha. It was just more beneficial if the top grew a little bit faster and it ended up flattening out the whole needle or making it go flat um, out in a left and right kind of two rank system. Okay. Yeah. So it's a pretty little tree, honestly. Like I really think it's I really think it looks handsome it looks like a u like i i just cannot get it unstuck from my brain it looks like if a u looked up at a redwood and said i'm gonna be just like you and made its needles a little bit more redwood like which they're already very redwoody and then saw a hemlock and said yeah but i think you got what it takes Mm. so i'm gonna look like you too so it looks like a love child between a u a western hemlock and a redwood all come down together in our tree this week. <laughs> this week's tree. So you're saying this this tree's a little derivative. I think so. Just grabbing, it's like Quentin Tarantino, just grabbing elements <laughs> yes. of the things it likes to build its own to build its own aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. Casey, this is a conifer, no? This is a conifer, Alex. Well, let's talk about this cone. Well, I, for probably the first time ever, I'm going to talk a little bit about the male cone oh my god the cone that produces the pollen yeah i was very confused when i was first looking at this but if you look up photos and uh if you go to our website you can find some i have some i have a thing that says some photos information on falcatifolium taxoides and it has some good pictures. It's actually um, in France or in French because uh, the French annexed this island. So everything there is mostly in French. But you can click on the English and it, all the information goes away, which is kind of like, it seems like a very French thing to do. Wow. Oh, you want it in English? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they just, just take all the words away. away. <laughs> um, but oh, you, you want can, me to turn the radio down? I'm just going to turn it off. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's ah, not what I asked. Okay. <laughs> That's a little Thank manipulative. Uh, it was just, yeah, it seems very, yeah, very French. Uh, no offense to our French people out there. I know we have at least one listener, and you are the best. Yes, or as you would say, uh, le, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Good job, Alex. Uh, so the I was looking through this, and it honestly, the whole plant looks like a heath, or it looks like um, a small rosemary or something mm, like that. Like it yes. looks like you would not expect it to be a conifer. Rosemary, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and it has these male cones that are probably about three to four inches long. Wow. And they look like catkins that come out from a chestnut or something like that. 
Yes. And they are this like yellowish, very creamy color. And they just pop out from the, the terminal or just from an axle of one of the leaves mm-hmm. and then just release their pollen out to the world. Just a little uh, little caterpillar. Yeah, they exactly. They look like a catkin you'd find on a, a birch or a an alder, anything in that, in the whole birch family. More derivative. More derivative. Mm-hmm. God, this, and then on top of that, the seed cone. Wow. Have you looked that up? Eh, more derivative. More derivative. This, it, it looks like a heath or it looks like oh. a, uh, like the very first, when it first comes out, it has mm. this little tiny scale covered um, short shoot that comes out from the axle of mm. one of the leaves. And it pops out and it looks like a little tiny flower of a heath or um, heather, one of those kind of little ericaceous kind of plants. It wow. just has this little tiny, little teeny tiny thing just pops out. And just has what it looks like a little tiny little flower head. But that flower head, of course, is a cone. It's a little tiny cone that has a bunch of needles that I think there's about a dozen or so scale-like needles that do what podocarbs do and become this very fleshy base of the cone. Yeah. Now, the cone itself is technically these scales and then the one apical scale the very last one is fertile with one single seed or rather an ovule on it yeah it's i mean it it looks comparable to the totara yeah totally does and to the rimu yeah uh, it's in that definite. I mean, it's a pot. Is this a podocarp thing? This case? is. This is. A, okay. It's in the podocarp family. Yeah. I mean, like, is this a podocarp thing? As in, do these? Is this just what podocarp cones look like? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Cool. They have all done this same kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. to you know a different degree here or there uh, for different plants, but for the most part, that is their thing. They have all developed for the birds. <laughs> As they say. And literally. And literally. Um, so if we're also, if we're talking taxis-like, yeah. this, this looks like a berry. It does, it does. It really has it. Now, it looks a little bit different. Uh, it looks very superficially like a berry. Sure, if you were glancing at it. Exactly. Maybe. You'd be like, oh, is that a U? Oh, that's not a U. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think, honestly, of all the podocarps I've seen, this is the one that looks the most appetizing to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see like plucking the seed off the yeah. front and just popping that in my mouth. I totally could. It looks like uh it looks to me like a more succulent cranberry with a huckleberry attached to it. I think it looks like a strawberry gusher. Okay, that's even better. <laughs> yes, that's totally it. So you like can, you can tell you can tell how Casey and I look at food differently. <laughs> yes. Now it looks like a quite it looks like a Chianti berry. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, it looks like candy. Yeah, <laughs> everyone sees their own thing, right? It does look like both. So that is uh, just a delight. I think that's just such a beautiful, yeah. beautiful little thing. So it's it is. Cute. It's a derivative plant, and. You know what? <laughs> I don't think we've ever used that word to describe one of these trees. I don't think we have. But it feels very fitting now. It's just like it's 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 just grabbing all these elements that it likes and being like I'm a, I'm I'm self-defined. Yeah. You're like uh I've seen everybody uh, with that haircut. Yeah. And he's like, "Okay, well, look at my shoes." Yeah. Yeah, everybody, everybody wears those shoes. shoes. But not everybody who has that haircut has those shoes. <laughs> That's true. So yes. So he's he's this is this tree is going from all these uh, different things. There is a certain amount of uh of of self-invention here. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at one point you just have to round up to, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you're original. Good job." <laughs> 
So this is the thing though. It is, I, I'm glad that you use the term derivative. It's a derivative plant. It has done nothing of its own mm. because it's got a buddy and I'm going to say buddy. Wow. That also does the same, same exact thing. Uh, uh, live a derivative life. Exactly. And this is getting us one step closer to what I was reading about in this book. Oh my God. Exciting. This tree, our falcatifolium taxoides mm-hmm. has a specific plant that grows only with it. And I Mm. mean only with it as in it is a parasite. Oh. There is another species of conifer called Parasitaxis usta or eusta. Wow. That is no longer able to do anything by itself. It is 100% a obligate parasite of its buddy falcatifolium taxoides wow this is to everyone's understanding the only conifer nay the only gymnosperm oh my god that is parasitic now before we go further okay i you know we we all know symbiosis Uh uh-huh this is where it's like a mutual kind of benefit yeah 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 i'll give you a little you give me a little Mm -hmm. we're we're, we're friends like mycelia right Yeah. yeah Parasitic mm-hmm. means that one of these things is getting everything and the other one is being harmed. You know, I think that being harmed might be a little too, it might push it a little beyond uh, like objectivity. Sure. Because we can't really measure that, but we can probably make that assertion. Okay. However, we can say that one is taking everything from the other mm-hmm. whether or not the other is strictly being harmed or not okay we just know that if you take uh plant b if you take what is called the uh maybe coral pine or coral and you take that away mm-hmm. it will die okay think Flat of like out. think of like barnacles Ooh, no, no. Barnacles just sit on top of things, but they do all their own work. Okay. It's just like uh, English ivies, a similar thing here yeah, in the yeah, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Uh-huh. It gets all of its nutrients from the ground. It is not a parasite okay. in any regard. Okay. But then mistletoe is a parasite. So it, the uh, the parasitic conifer here yes. isn't doing any of its own work. It is not. In it fact, is, for a long time, they didn't even think it could do photosynthesis. Wow. In fact, I don't think it technically can, but it has chloroplasts. It's like the sitcom bully who who just takes all of the, the nebbish characters' homework. It's not a bully. I think it is less, uh, less a bully because it doesn't get very big. Like maybe mm. it gets, uh, it gets a meter and a half, maybe like six feet tall. And that's okay. about it. Every time I've seen a picture or someone looking at it, it's usually been three or four feet, like not very, oh. not very giant. All right. Yeah. So it looks, um, it's the craziest looking plant because it's a conifer. It makes cones mm-hmm. and it grows on New Caledonia, where everything is on this ultramafic, really awful soil, yeah, it can grow through that soil, but it sends its roots into the roots and grafts itself on to another tree. Wow. There is a uh, one description that a guy found this plant growing like an octopus off the side of another tree and had roots growing up a few feet and then just going into the bark. 
and then going down a couple inches and just going into the bark. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Like That is like face hugger stuff. Yeah, it's horrifying. Holy shit. Like it's truly one of those things where you're like, oh my God. Like that that sounds like like horrific. Parisitaxis eusta or usta. Yes, I would say okay. parasitaxis. And this is the corail is the common name. Yes, exactly. So that's the common name. Uh the um I've also read it as coral pine okay uh, which is surely a play on coral root which is a um ericaceous plant that grows parasitically off of uh, fungus off of trees in our area actually. wow interesting actually i think all across north america maybe even europe and asia okay um but that's why i think it's called uh it's called that uh, otherwise there's not really a good a good name but i do like parasitaxis which is kind of like means parasite parasitic you which is, yeah which is fun everything just looks like a you is what we're learning down here yeah what's going on down there yeah what's happening <laughs> new caledonia all you uh you yeah. french people who went down there uh to get back on topic wow it is a wildly insane parasite because it does two things one it will connect through uh through a fungus so it will actively parasitize fungus that are working with other trees wow it will also actually root graft onto a different species in fact it's in a different genus entirely mm -hmm. but as far as anyone can tell it only gets onto falcatifolium taxoides okay so they have not found it on other plants but it has found it on fungus i have not found that the fungus is on other plants also it's like an endemic parasite yeah an endemic parasite on an endemic tree <laughs> In an endemic island, I just in an endemic cannot. world. It's, it's just, it's insane to think about. I mean, hey, uh, life is sort of, as far as we know, endemic to Earth. Hey, that's exactly right. And boy, do I, that just is a good way to keep going on to this, the, the last step that we're going to have. Wow. But before we do, uh, I want to note a couple interesting things about our little parasite. Okay. It has bright purplish red foliage yeah like wildly bright purple red where you it looks sickly because obviously it's not making its normal uh green pigment it's chlorophyll hmm. so they have chloroplasts they have found this this is the this is the case however it also allegedly is able to do photosynthesis, but it cannot transfer electrons is the issue. Hmm. So essentially, it can make its food, it just can't send it anywhere. Oh my God. So it has no longer, I, I cannot, I can't figure out exactly if the, uh, if it is having trouble taking electrons in to do photosynthesis mm -hmm. to then create sugars outwards, or if they in fact just can't get the electrons away from certain things and move them elsewhere. Like for whatever reason, wow. they just can't move the electron around. Some wires are crossed somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. It's just not working. Yeah, exactly. And oh, it has shit. has xylem, but it doesn't have phloem. Really? Yeah. But now this makes sense, doesn't it? Because phloem is what takes photosynthesis photosynthate right. from the leaves that are doing the energy, the photosynthesizing sections uh -huh. out and down to the rest of the thing. Yeah. Whereas xylem is what takes things from the roots up, water and dissolved minerals and things. So this has been going on for so long that the tree has essentially, for whatever reason, in some whatever way, completely lost its ability to transport these things from its leaves down. So it's only 
sucking. It does not <laughs> does not push anything else. This is what happens when you rely too much on everyone else. You don't learn to do anything for yourself. You can't do anything. You go to college and you realize, holy shit, I've never done laundry. What do I do? So you just let your clothes rot in a big pile. I think my uh, one of my roommates did that. I, I don't think I washed my sheets. <laughs> don't tell us, Alex. I was 18 years old. Period. I know how to do laundry now. I don't think I now. wash my sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrifying. I think you're totally right, though. Yeah. Like, could you? That is. Uh, it's half the reason we know for sure that this is a an obligate parasite. Mm. It doesn't even have the mechanism to pipe things the opposite direction. Totally. To even go if it back w- to something else. Even if it wanted to, it couldn't. Yeah. So you know that it's not giving anything else to its plant buddies. Holy shit! You just it's there's a fact. Just a leech. Yeah, it's literally a leech. Like, it's just to the perfect extent. Wow. So this is what this looks like. And it makes these adorable little cones that are just spectacular. The same same kind of thing where they have these little red bracts that then pop, look like also podocarps because mm. it's in the podocarpaceae. Yeah. But they're a little bit also, they're, they're red, have a little teeny tiny fertile scale with a single inverted ovule. It's just... Hold on. It's just great. I missed something here. What did you miss? This parasite is also a podocarp. It is, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't hear that the first time you said it, oh, I, don't I don't think. I don't think I said it first. That was well, that was sh- the first time just right then. Here's the reveal. Yeah. So <laughs> it is the only gymnosperm that is also a parasite. The only wow. one. And that this gymnosperm includes ginkgos and cycads and knee tails and all those other weird things that you don't ever think about being gymnosperms, but and, are. And all conifers. And every single conifer. Wow, Casey. Yeah, so it's a podocarp, meaning it's in the podocarp family, which again is yeah. like Capressaceae. Like it's just a huge family of really weird, weird, weird trees. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm sorry, I know there's someone someone in the world is like, stop calling my trees weird. You said it three times. Sure. Sorry, guys. I mean, hey, uh, it's all relative, it's right? It's all relative. I, Alex. I also think you can, that we've talked, actually, Casey, really quick. Please. We also talked about this when we were talking about the noni fruit. Yeah. And we were like, you know, apparently it tastes disgusting. And we kind of caught ourselves because we were like, well... There are people who grew up with this and its native habitat. Yeah. Thinking that it tastes good. And every time they hear a fucking another fucking white man call it disgusting, it's like, oh, come on. The, you didn't grow up with this. It's yeah. not part of your culture. But then we had people reach out to us from Hawaii who were like, no, I grew up here. <laughs> Trust me. It's gross it's as bad. fuck. So I think it's okay to like, there are people who grew up around these plants who yeah. also think they're weird. I I think you're totally right. Okay. Like, everyone can have their perspective. I grew up around pickles. I still hate pickles. Fair point. So it's... Probably it's, my least favorite thing about you. I know. It's, but it's, <laughs> it's, it is the thing I hold with such pride inside my own heart. <laughs> Along with using an Android phone. I love hey, my Android phone, by if, the way. If my, if, my, uh, if my least favorite thing about you is that you don't like pickles, you're doing all right. I case. am. That's a good point. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. yeah I appreciate that. What you, a compliment. You got it. Yeah, we had get around that and now we're here <laughs> great well so this is a this is a good thing i wow. agree with your uh with your your insistence that everything is relative because i was reading this book and the reason that i got shot off into talking about something completely different yeah going down some other rabbit holes and thinking oh i should look into that mm-hmm. is that in this book uh i don't know like 50 pages in uh he makes this assertion about life uh almost 
side-handedly. Wow. Uh, because the whole book is about what exactly uh, is life and why did it develop the way it did? Hmm. It's just kind of like these those big fundamental questions. Yeah, that that's everyone, a big one. Everyone's like, well, I mean, it just like it's like this. And he's like, no, 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 further, further, mm. further. And so he was talking about uh, viruses and how a virus is considered this like almost non-living parasitic thing. Yeah. And when he used the term parasite, he then kind of just like, I mean, talk about a book that's so heavy that when you do a quick, like almost like a side, that is also like a gigantic, like philosophical question mm. to begin with. And he said, well, if you really look into it, everything's in a, a parasite on its environment anyway. And I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> you can't just drop that. What exactly is he saying? So he, he talked about it for like a paragraph because he's like, well, let me let me tell you kind of what I'm talking about here. Wow. And so he said, this is again, Nick Lane, the vital question, 50 pages in, where's it going to go after this? I don't know. Wow. He is, he made the, a quick argument that in a certain sense, you can say everything's parasitic to its environment. Hmm. and including humans. He says, yeah, and this is a little bit visceral, but he was like, yeah, you know, we have to live uh, in an environment that has oxygen and a certain kind of food. And so he's like, yeah, so if you like close us off from the environment, like say putting a plastic bag over your head, you'll die within minutes. Wow. And I was like, okay, wow, that's a uh, intense way to describe that, <laughs> but I suppose you're Pretty right. concise. <laughs> yeah. And so he, um, so he basically said, uh, he, he's also, I think where he's going is the environment and the living organism are just two sides to one coin. Mm. Like you'd imagine electromagnetism and, or electronic electricity and magnets. That's just two sides to the same thing. We now call it electromagnetism. Okay. So space and time. Mm. Einstein brought those together and said, no, 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 these are- these are the same thing, yeah. just two sides to this. So I think what he is ultimately going to argue at some point is that your environment and the organism that it produces are essentially two sides to the same coin, hmm. where if you're thinking about parasitism, then you can say, well, okay, yes, we see this plant is growing off plant A, growing off of plant B. Our parasitaxis is growing off of our falcatifolium. Yeah. That one is a parasite of that one. Sure. But then... He is arguing, well, sure, yeah, because if you take the parasitic plant away from its environment that it is grown to be in, it dies. If you take that tree away from its ultramafic soils on this one particular island, wow. it dies. Interesting. What's the difference? One is a parasite of another living organism. The other is a parasite of the environment, which if you really think about it, is a whole collection of living and non-living entities all working together and that have been for billions of years. Mm -hmm. So my question ultimately, and I'm sorry, how much time have we taken? <laughs> I think four hours. Damn. My question is, are all trees, are all plants just parasites? Wow, man. Are we a parasite? Are humans a parasite? I think we certainly are. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. And you've heard the idea of like uh, humans being a virus. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. that theory, which you know, I mean, theory might be a little bit overblown. It's like a pop psychology sort yeah, of table talk sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think, Alex? Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't like the, I don't like the humans are a virus, man. Yeah. But like, I, I think that, you know, humans are certainly an invasive species. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. I would agree that I would agree that, uh, humans are, are parasitic. 
you know, what does the potato get out of me ripping it out of the ground and frying it up for French fries? Mm, very true. Very um, true. Well, if you talk to Michael Pollan, uh, then the potato says, well, I've just made a deal with you. I have made a deal with humans, and now I have more of my genes across this planet than almost everything else other than wheat and corn. Maybe sure. rice, too. Like it gets like that. Well, okay. I guess, you know, ultimately, I don't know, Casey. So I'm just going to yeah. think out loud. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're saying like the bird eats the raspberry. It seems like a one-sided thing until the bird shits out the raspberry seeds across the field. Oh, right? well, not, not quite. I'm saying if you take anything away from its environment uh-huh. that it will die. Sure. So you could then consider that anything is then a parasite mm. in a strict sense mm. of its environment. That is some serious next level thought. Isn't like, that wild? You're right. That's like, that's like asking why and then asking, okay, why is that? Yeah. And then getting that answer and saying, okay, well then why is that? Well, and it kind of puts into perspective the idea of parasitism as like, uh, I mean, we always think about it as negative, you know, if we yeah. have a parasite inside of our bodies, that's bad. Like parasites are bad. Well, how about this, Casey? Like, Almost everything else. What if it's a spectrum? Yeah, it's got to be right. You know the it, the the uh, what is it? The par- parasitaxis is on one side. Yeah, that really, I mean, like gets after that tree, and it is is the sickly figure who's just leeching the blood off of this other living thing. Uh-huh. I don't. I think that's more para- per- personally. I think that is more parasitic. Yeah. Than saying, well, if I put a plastic bag over my head, I'm going to die. So I'm a parasite on the earth. Yeah. Well, see, and I think I think that it it has it has more to do with the living versus non living as we humans imagine it. Mm-hmm. So we see an environment, as I said, like a mixture of living and non living things. Yeah. Right? But for the most part, the conception has been that soil is essentially non living. There's soil that is that is these these things over here that a plant grows in. The plant is the living thing. So if the plant is using more or less not living stuff, which again, I don't, I, I, we all know what soil is. It's a living biome in a huge sense. Yeah. So yeah like, don't yeah. get us wrong here. Yeah. But this is the kind of the old conception, which I think is what we're dealing with right now in this episode is the old conception is the soil and rocks and whatever, not living tree growing out of it living. Yeah. Therefore it's not a parasite because a parasite is a living mm. thing taking all of its nutrients and sustenance from another living thing, which is most of the time, not a mutual connection. It's mm-hmm. not going to be something, uh, going back and forth. You're getting a little, I'm getting a little, it's always a one sided thing. I'm getting everything and you're getting nothing. So, Parasite would be living off of living. Non-parasite would be living off of non-living. Okay. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Okay. Then, now if we change that conception around a little bit and we say, well, okay, but that would make birds, like you just brought up, mm-hmm. a, a, a parasite of these other animals. Although it goes back and forth a little bit because it does, like you were saying, there is a little bit of give and take. The plant is getting something. But if you take away uh, the food, those living things that the birds are eating, then the bird 
is dying. Sure. So its environment has changed to the point where it is no longer able to survive. It's a parasite off of those other living things. Soil is a living organism in the grandest sense mm-hmm. of like this giant collection of, of life, which is hard for us to conceptualize because really it's just billions and billions and billions of individual lives in rocks and soil and all this kind of stuff. So we should consider that also a living thing. Sure. Kind of like this idea of Gaia, you know. Where yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The earth is one big living thing, which I think is probably more and more correct. It's just, you know, we can't scientifically chop it up into easily digestible entities and distinct and discrete things that we can measure and calculate. Mm-hmm. So if we change our conception that way, does that kind of, kind of, uh, kind of, build a world for you to imagine (laughs) where conceivably if you take a tree specifically these trees on new caledonia you take them out of their this week's tree yeah take this week's tree off of its new caledonian soil Mm -hmm. plant it somewhere else it will die it will not survive interesting yeah it has to grow on these soils uh i i think i think this topic is really interesting but it is one of those things that I look at and I'm like, <laughs> I'm shrugging. Cool, cool, I'm shrugging. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I yeah. don't know. Maybe. <laughs> well, I guess that's fair. That's a fair response. I did, yeah. I did just kind of throw it at you. I didn't say, Alex, really quick, look up uh, the philosophical definition of parasitism before this week's episode, would you? <laughs> okay. Here's my, here's my, uh, if I have to make a big sweeping judgment in the moment, which is what this podcast is all about. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> no, Alex. Oh my God. I think if we're going to call everything a parasite, mm-hmm. we should change the word. Ah, right? yes. And okay. reserve parasite for something else. Or just remove it from... Yeah, strictly movies from 2019 Korea. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Oh, my God. Why did that take me even half a second to understand? I didn't say it in a way that makes a lot of sense immediately. So, yeah, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I think we should just change the word. It's like cohabitation or like, you know... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some sort of... I don't know. I think some it's... Some sort of paradigm shift. You know I, what I'm saying? I agree. I totally agree, Alex. Yeah. I think that this is... The, sort of thing that perhaps is better served uh, in a way that I think is, I don't know, more spiritual is what probably totally. some people would think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's not. I think it is scientific. So maybe I shouldn't say it's not. I think it is, yes, but I think it's scientific mm. where if we are looking at our strict definitions, the more we are learning about how life actually works mm. and functions, the the closer we look, the more those definitions break down. Hmm. So we can't just easily say, uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take, we, we did this in 15 minutes and we've kind of changed the conception of what a parasite really is. Yeah. Or at least we've looked into it. Maybe there's some scientists who are just going to be like, oh, no, 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 you guys are way off. Right. But I don't know. I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's anyone who could give us a different definition of parasite that will change its kind of like ramifications if you apply it to these lower, smaller, or bigger levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, Alex, I think that the uh, the more that you have to like 
add like barriers onto a definition, the more complex that definition gets, totally, the less applicable it is to real life. It's the Occam's razor kind of thing. Interesting. Where the simpler it is and the wider it applies, the better rule it is. Whereas if it has to be something that's so particular, can you even really call it a rule or mm. is it not, not quite there? This whole like meeting of like science and like the spiritual thing. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like uh, when two lightsabers clashing, like they're not going <laughs> to go through each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? I see. But they, they certainly will be very bright and loud. Yes. Yeah. And, and what really comes, what it really comes down to is the, the force behind it, you know? Wow. And I'm, I'm saying force on purpose there. That was so good. (laughs) I think you're right. Uh, very interesting, Casey. I'm, I'm also curious to hear what people think. Um, yeah. so uh, go, go comment somewhere. Yeah. Go comment somewhere Yeah. and tell us what you think. But that it's just, uh, yeah, it just, I, I got stuck on that, Alex. I'm yeah. still stuck on it. As you can probably tell. It's very curious. It's I feel a, like we could do a whole parasite month and talk oh, about this yeah. debate. I'm sure we could. I'm sure we could. It's, it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Anyway, this month, uh, hey. February, it's content. Oh, uh, <laughs> sure is. uh, Casey, Unfortunately, as is our want, we have to reduce this all to a numerical score. Exactly. After a quick break, (laughs) we'll be right back with our review of this week's tree. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. That was our discussion of this week's tree mm-hmm. casey mm-hmm. it's now time for a review of this week's tree all right here's how it works we're gonna give some final thoughts on this week's tree and then give it a rating of casey as our resident expert we will begin with you thank you alex i i think that this tree is pretty cool now it's not pretty cool in uh you know the traditional sense of being pretty cool Hmm. I think it's pretty cool in the sense that it's a part of of a of a bigger thing and perhaps is uh, at the center of a question that is far far deeper than it even understands. Wow. It plays it, it rather it sits in the spot that I think is fascinating. So I think that I think that give it some credit. Totally. It's, it grows on these ultramafic soils. Uh it has a a octopus like face sucking parasite. <laughs> Um, although instant win, I should say it tends to have roots, uh, or it goes through the soil most of the time. In fact, I'm not uh-huh. sure if I have found any other examples that it was growing the way that person described initially with it, like on the side of the trunk. I choose to believe Casey. Oh, me too. I tried to find pictures of it, but he doesn't have any pictures. Okay. It would be so cool to see that. <laughs> I've seen it with like a, a hemlock growing on the side of another tree where sure. there used to be soil or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the best. That sounds great. <sighs> okay, so, but I do like the berry. I think of all the podocarps, like I said, the berry looks a little bit more delicious. Sure. Uh, it doesn't get very big. It kind of stays small. It's very Jewish. And it is, it's a, you know, it's kind of a fun tree. I just, I think I like more the spot that this tree lies hmm. than its actual, like, huh. I would say plant more of it, but I, I don't think you can. So you like this kind of the mythos around the tree more yeah. than you like the tree as a tree. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give it, uh, I'm sorry, 6.8. Just, it's just, it's just going to get a 6.8 and I want to be like, oh, but stop. I respect you, but that's it. Right. It's just how it has to be. It's just, this is, this is what I think. 
And this is how I have to stand with my my heart. Six point eight. I do want to eat its cone, though. I don't know if it's good. For, I don't know if I'll get sick, but I wanna. I want to eat that. I think you could probably you could probably get away with yeah, it. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, birds can do it. I'd send you to New Caledonia. <sighs> I would love to go to New Caledonia. Pretty cool. Um, okay, this week's tree. I think I'm in agreement with you, Case. Mm. That I like. I like the sort of world building around. This is like. A problem I have with a lot of uh, fantasy, uh-huh. it's like, I'll love the world building that the author presents, mm. but then the characters are just like, kind of whatever. Oh, I see. Yeah, I gotcha. Which I is the reason saying. you read a book, right? Like, you yeah. want to follow along with the characters. And, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of science fiction and fantasy writers focus a lot on the cool world they've built and then fill it with the most stock off the shelf character you yeah, could ever imagine. I gotcha. That's kind of how I'm feeling here. I love this whole this whole debate about the par- parasitism. Yeah. Parasitism. Yeah. Well, sure. I, your your emphasis is a little off. Parasitism. There, there you go. Uh, and uh, I, I love I love that it grows in in soil where it makes no sense for plants to grow. Yeah. It is this uh, you know just deal with it. I'm reading A Song of Ice and Fire right now. What? Again? Um, more specifically, I'm reading Game of Thrones. I've never read the entire series. So oh, you I'm, haven't? I'm starting from the very beginning, and I'm working my way through the whole thing. Whoa. Oh, right my there. God. It's going to blow your mind. After book three, uh-huh. you're going to be like, oh, my God. That's as far as I've gotten. So it, yeah, it's, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, okay, good. This is great. You're going to like it. And this New Caledonia sort of reminds me of Old Valyria. It's like this myth, oh. almost like mythical place that you know existed. It's in the histories. Yeah. But like nothing quite makes sense there. It's mm-hmm. like this weird ancient place kind of like full of magic and yeah. like myth. And Ugh. I think that's really cool. It's beautiful, Alex. I agree entirely. Um, although I have something to say about Old Valeria that I'm really exci- oh. excited about. Oh, right, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> you believe Stop I have a girlfriend? <laughs> Alex, Yes. Um, so I'm going to give this week's tree like a 5.5. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. pretty lame. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. I got to pick a tree to get you excited next week. Hold on. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm Th- the whole story around it, mm-hmm. this whole idea, this whole thing, this, these orbiting planets. Yeah. I'm given like an 8.7. I love that shit. That's, right, that's yeah. really cool. Excellent. Okay. This is. That's spectacular. That was our review of this week's tree, Casey. It's time to name this tree, Alex. I'm not going to let you get away with it like that. That's right. Unless you want to do the question and answer first and then try to do it, but I don't think we should. So do you have any any idea? Uh, Do you have anything on your your Um, heart? Not not off the top of my head, no. Do you? I, I I do, but I I've kind of like I like I said earlier, I want to call it the Falcon U. Oh yeah, but that doesn't really get us anywhere. No, it's uh, it doesn't help. It's just a play, a meaning, meaningless play on words. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't even mean the same thing. Right. Uh, and so first thing, uh, this is just so that there is an English name that we can use. Uh, there is certainly a name for this plant yeah. elsewhere. So we're not trying to say you should not use that. However. It's kind of fun, you know? There's sure. A little, there's a little empty box on this website needs to be filled. That's right. So I I kind of like the idea. So it's not a U. It's a podocarp. Mm-hmm. So it makes a berry. I think we should call it a berry, something berry. Okay. Uh, now, it also has these sickle-shaped uh, leaves that are evergreen. So I think that it should be something about uh, the, the sickle-shaped berry 
plant. Wow. So kind of like the idea of like uh, like the uh, sickleberry. Sickleberry is yeah. great. That's that's kind of what I was what I was aiming for. Yeah. But I have to say, I do really like the idea of calling it the Falcon U. Like, I just think that sounds rad. Maybe that could be a folk taxonomic name. <laughs> okay, yeah. And Sickleberry is going on the common name register. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I like it because it kind of sounds like Huckleberry, but Sickleberry. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's got a great. It's got a great. Uh, it's, it's got a good sort of uh, PR. Snappy. Yeah, yeah it's okay. like it'll look good on a T-shirt. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. All right. We should make T-shirts and say Sickleberry. Love to. Yeah. Okay, Case. Well, I've got an idea. All right. I love. I think. I think. Um, uh, mycology people really have it uh-huh. going on. Okay. In terms I, of w- uh, the common names they're given these mushrooms. All right, yeah. Fu- is... Fungi. So. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. I, saw, I like where you're going so far. There's all these really cool, funky, like edgy names that they're given these yeah. fungus. Dead Man's Fingers. Dead Man's Fingers is the one I'm off Death the top cap. of my head. Yep. Yeah, all right. Okay. And since this is a you looking thing and yous are traditionally associated with death. Okay. I think we should call it Death's Scythe. Death's now, Scythe. In the mouth, it's a little, it's a little clumsy, right? It's yeah. like not super it's off the roll off the tonguey. Insane. Death Scythe. I think yeah. we should call it the Death Scythe. The Death Scythe. Yeah. That, okay. It's Death's Scythe. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I, I'm with it. Or, uh, or Death Sickle. Uh, I but def- that sounds like popsicle. Mm, yeah. Oh, this is a death sickle. Oh, can I just get a death sickle? Thanks. <laughs> it's lemon flavored. Uh, it's like liquid death. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I think right, death yeah. scythe, or like or like um, you know, find find some like uh, death in some like local. Like the god of death and uh, some local, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. I see, gotcha. Um, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous of all these all these fungus people. Well, Casey. That was our naming of this week's tree. Spectacular. Uh, it's time for our completely arbitrary AMA. We're going straight to our arbitrary tremium. All right. What's going on, everyone? If you want to ask a question on the podcast, join up on the tremium. That's arbitrarypod.supercast.com. We got a couple different plans, lots of options, lots of rewards. It's great. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. We're doing a uh, live stream, I think, uh, just the Monday after this? Yes, just in a few days. Next Monday, we're doing a live stream, so, so hop on there. Hop on. It'll be on uh, Monday. Uh, the 29th. It'll be on Monday, the 29th. It's going to be about uh, 6 o'clock, I think, Pacific time. That sounds right. Uh, Casey, this week we got a question from Brandon Corady. All right. What's up, Brandon? Brandon says that they spend their summers in... I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. Okay. Spend their summers in Juneau, Alaska. Well, all I've right. I've heard about this place. Now, a question comes up often. Mm-hmm. And Brandon says, since you also live in a temperate rainforest, well, I'm wondering if you know whether they, being temperate rainforests, mm-hmm. suffer from fewer invasive species than other types of forests. Mm. And if so, why? Interesting. I haven't heard of many up in Juno, at least, but I'm sure you know more. Thanks and love the show. Thank you, Brandon. Well, we love you, Brandon. I'm not afraid to say it. Let's see. That's a really good question. So let's see. We're dealing with two different things. One is invasiveness, and the other is a specific ecotype, ecosystem type, which is this temperate rainforest. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, temperate rainforests are rainforests that are not 
tropical. They would be up in the uh, the higher latitudes or the same latitudes, but down low. It just so happens um, those places are uh, skinnier. So it's like very, very southern South America and some spaces on New Zealand, that kind of thing, where there's a significant temperature change, where there's very intense seasonality, uh, where it gets cold and warm, but not necessarily... Uh, like freezing cold to like blistering hot. There's just some intense seasonality uh, over the course of a, of a year, uh, as opposed to a tropical forest where the seasonality is minimized, where the days are basically the same length, the temperatures are always the same. You might get dry seasons versus wet seasons and that kind of thing, um, but the temperate rainforest is the kind where the, the temperature swings are pretty insane. So here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, where Juneau is located up in Alaska, there is uh, a very intense winter time, which we're in right now, where you have lower temperatures in the anywhere from the 30s to the 50s maybe, and then very much rain, whereas in the summertime, rain is way reduced and temperatures go way up. All the broadleaf trees come out and everything's really happy and then flips again in fall. So... Uh, that ecosystem type is not necessarily unique in the sense of does it get more or less invasive species because anything that would grow in that that kind of forest, this kind of forest, um, would be adapted to that already. So think things over from England. That's actually a really big issue for uh, species that grow as invasives in the Pacific Northwest. They come from the English Isles, which are famously foggy and cold most of the time, and then nice and warm for a little bit, and then foggy and cold for the rest of the time. So all those plants are really well adapted to a lot of water and temperate conditions where it can get hot and then cool, then hot, then cool. So they are planted over here and they're like, oh yeah, sick, everything's good. Also has similar soil types, similar fungus, that kind of thing. So everything's like more or less equivalent. Whereas if this was a desert, there are plants that are very well attuned to desert life from other deserts in the world. So it has less to do with um, the actual ecosystem itself, unless, of course, it's New Caledonia, where there's this very particular niche, which is this whole all the soil, where not everything has grown in that soil, so they can't just come over and be like, yeah, I can take this. That's something that evolves over a long time. But that's because there's only very few of those spots in the whole world. So our forest is not unique. There's plenty of other places that have the same thing. So as long as you can take a plant from elsewhere, bring it over here and plant it, it likely if it has those those characteristics of uh, um, one other side thing. So if you plant one of those trees over here and it grows, uh, as long as its conditions match where it comes from, probably going to be, it'll at least survive. Whether or not it seeds in, that's the second question. And that really comes down to if it has certain traits, like if it is a generalist species, if it's a species that makes 10,000 seeds and that kind of thing, those are two big, big ways that trees become invasive. Tree of heaven, for instance. Sure. Generalist. It can do anything. It and it has the fucking billion seeds on it. Exactly. So it just, just does so much. And they're all very uh, fecund, which means they're always, they're, they're very likely to be fertile. Language, please. Please. Yes, excuse me. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I think I don't 
I should say I don't think that the Pacific Northwest, like Juneau, Alaska, or our um, our temperate rainforest, is particularly uh, waiting for that to happen. I think it's more of a case that. It just so happens that it's really cush conditions. So if you take really cush conditioned plants from elsewhere and bring it over to these new conditions, mm-hmm. they're already well adapted to sure. it. Sure. But if you bring something from the desert, you bring something from a subtropical region, anywhere else that doesn't quite match up, then it's just going to fail. It's not going to be anything. This has kind of been interesting to me, and I think maybe I'm missing like a key piece of information or something. Mm. Like I would think... If something is adapted to live in harsh conditions, uh-huh. if you put it in really cush conditions, yeah. it would be like, holy shit, let's fucking go and like uh, yeah. grow big and strong and mm-hmm. become like one of those primordial, you know, 3,000 foot trees or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the opposite is true, where if you take a cactus mm-hmm. and plant it, you know, out here in the Pacific Northwest forests, yeah, it's yeah. not going to do any, it's just going to like shrivel up and die. Right? Yeah. It doesn't like it. Um, that's always been interesting to me. And by yeah. always, I mean for like the last 20 seconds. <laughs> wow. I've always loved that. <laughs> I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. No, 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 not this time. Um, yeah. It's, so that's it's, 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 it just feels counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Um, but it, it also, the way you describe it, it makes sense. Yeah. It's uh it's just a matter of, of, adaptation mm-hmm. where if you're just hyper ad adapted to a certain specific set of characteristics when you change those you're just not as well adapted sure could be for a thousand reasons you know and i think there are situations that what you're describing does actually happen where you take a tree that just barely grows one place and then you plant it somewhere else and it's like oh my god yeah um the radiata pine is a perfect example its native condition <laughs> is like a really scraggly tree that doesn't get very big and grows in like four different groves and that's it. Hmm. You plant it somewhere else and you just like give it the opportunity and it just goes ham. And now it's super invasive in, in other parts of the world, South America, Australia, New Zealand, all these places. So that does happen. Yeah. It can for certain. It's not the, uh, it's not the, it's not the, uh, the rule. It's yeah, the exception. What is that? What is the status quo? Yeah, it's not the status quo. All yeah. right. So I think that uh, we are just in one environment where it's there, but you go to a different environment, you'll see it just as much. So to so sort of simply answer Brandon's question, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. There you go. If you've got a question for us, we just want to support the podcast, get monthly cone stickers, join up on completely arbitrary premium that's arbitrarypod.supercast.com that's right casey clap alex we did it we made it through and wow philosophical episode i don't know which i don't know what we actually talked about we could probably give a rating on the the little knot tree connor for two but that would be inappropriate i i don't think we can quite go that far um as as we are played out by milk by the mini vandals casey can i tell you the the theory on old valeria Ooh, yeah 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 so there was this old valeria sort of like i I sort of compare it to like rome like Uh at its height right yes yeah yeah yeah. the roman empire very fair and um there was, of course, this the doom of Valyria, yes. which was this cataclysmic event. That, Nobody knows exactly what happened. Totally. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a map of, uh, I forget what the continent is called ne- next es- to... Estros? Essos? Essos. Essos. There's Essos? Westeros and Essos. Okay, yeah. And um, if you look at the map and you look at old Valyria, 
there's this ring of fire around mm-hmm. Old Valeria, which is a, a volcanic yeah. uh, ring, and, and Old Valeria was kind of built on this volcanic land. That's Yeah, that's the leading theory. So the theory, of course, is that the doom is just a huge volcanic event that, like, destroyed... Yeah everything yeah in but, old valyria and, and it had like uh like valyrian steel and all these things mm-hmm. like it's super strong but it's all like there are dragons that live up there so like yeah it has historically been this wild place right like very magical and i'm wondering if if it has less to do with this volcanic eruption more to do like with volcanic activity but also, they dug too deep. A little bit like, sure. like unleash the Balrog. The Kaza of Doom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Interesting. Yeah, so the Doom could be like, like multiple different things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what I love about those books. Is like everything's very much magical and, and, and curious and dark, but it's all it's all more or less grounded in reality. Yeah, it's essentially everything's yeah. pretty much like. I think that's it. The, the line that that. Uh, George R. R. walks mm-hmm. is a is a reasonable line. Like yeah. It doesn't go too far into blatant magic. Totally. And not too far the other direction either. There's such the, speaking of of good fantasy worlds, that's that's probably my favorite. Yeah. Even even over Lord of the Rings, probably. Wow, really? In terms of world building, yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I'm I'm there. I'm there with you. Well anyway, uh yeah. <laughs> I forgot we were recording. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clappin, Portland, Oregon. Our cover art is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. If you'd like to support the show, become a premium member at arbitrarypod.supercast.com. Thanks for listening.